hello, I'm Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. As usual, as we've been doing every Wednesday, we have Mike Renner on from Pro Football Focus. We're brought to you by Draft today. I'll tell you more about them. Mike, what's going on? Not much. Excited for the playoffs to start here. Yeah, me too. I got to say, I'm not super excited about the AFC side of things, but I am <laughs> oh, yeah. super excited about the NFC side of things. Um, this brings us to an article that was just published yesterday on Pro Football Focus that you wrote, and I saw the headline, but I have not read it yet. I certainly will today. Mostly about Todd Gurley, right? Yeah, it was, it was pretty much entirely about Todd Gurley because okay. he had, just in terms of back-to-back seasons, maybe the biggest you know year-on-year improvement in NFL history, probably, because he went from averaging under 3.2 yards per carry a season ago uh, to, you know, in the MVP conversation this year. There's only been, I looked it up, there's only been six backs since the AFL NFL merger to average less than 3.2 yards per carry on at least 275 attempts ever. And he was one of them. And they hadn't been done in 15 years last year. So it was as bad as it gets, and now he's as good as it gets. And I just examined sort of why that was. Yeah, let's talk about that. But before we do, he's played three years in the NFL, and people probably remember what a drop-off it was after his rookie year. And, and I remember his rookie year thinking, wow, this guy's really talented. But a lot of his production that rookie year came on really long runs. You know, that mm-hmm. maybe that's not sustainable. Of course, nobody, including myself, expected the 2016 version of him, though. And I know that you can say Jeff Fisher didn't know how to use him and his line's terrible and he's facing stack boxes. But I don't think he had a highlight run once last year. I mean, like, he was bad in his own right. No, and it was he ha- he doesn't have, in my opinion, good vision between the tackles. I, I don't think okay. he is great at setting up blocks in that regard, and I don't think he's he's not a sort of you know in the Frank Gore mold of a guy who's just going to pound it, get what's blocked, and continually get that. He's just not a between the tackles runner. His most dangerous thing is actually when he's out in space. You know, his speed and his vision in the open field is actually what makes him special, not. In my opinion, you know, which is counterintuitive because he's a 6'1", 230 pound back. He looks like he should be Ezekiel Elliott, but he's a completely different style of back altogether. And I just think he was utilized. Uh, you know, Jeff Fisher, I think, came out or one of his assistants came out and said that they env- Jeff Fisher envisioned him as Eddie George. But that's not actually who no. he is. He's a completely different back altogether. He's more of a space, uh, you know, a traditional spread offense running back than an actual uh, between the tackles guy. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think you're right about the vision. And I'm not saying he's soft or a finesse player at all, but he kind of his style is more like a smaller back. And he he doesn't play with Frank Gore pad level or. He's not built low to the ground to bounce off tacklers mm-hmm. in tight quarters. And I think, you know, this staff obviously with L.A. has done a fantastic job of manipulating scheme and system to get him in space. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that was, the, that was the main crux of my article because when you look at the stats on inside zone runs and duo runs the tri- uh, uh, this season he's only averaging 3.9 yards per carry he's still not on those you know traditional straightforward downhill runs he's still not a good back at those uh, last season he averaged 3.4 yards per carry you can sort of explain away that difference purely based on improvements along the offensive line the offensive line is better this season than it was a season ago 
but where is has seen that drastic improvement the reason why his uh you know his, his actual yards per carry is a yard and a half more than it was a season ago is because they're getting them wide and out in space uh, one particular play is the one i highlight is their pin and pull outside zone he's averaging 6.5 yards per carry on that play wow which he is is it, just it turns him from a traditional running back between the tackles to basically a kick returner where he's on the edge <laughs> right. just trying to find a seam and that's where he's at his best you know we saw those returns Back at Georgia, when he had a few long ones, he's that's that's where he excels, not necessarily between tackles. And McVeigh's done a really good job of recognizing that. Yeah, that's that's really good stuff. I mean, and we've obviously seen that he still certainly can hit the big one, and he still and there's more chunk plays too. I mean, I, I would imagine that his I don't have the numbers, but I would imagine his. Um, poor runs or runs of a yard or less are way, way down. You know, he's making more on his own, but the system's helping him dramatically. The supporting cast is so much better. The passing game's more dangerous. They have weapons you have to defend. It's really going well. Yeah, it's really a great case study in terms of utilization of talent, basically recognizing where a guy wins and then using him in that regard instead of, you know... what they did a season ago, which was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, basically. Yeah, and I think if you talk about Gurley this year to last year, you absolutely have to bring up the receiving side of things, too. You know I mean? he he's It's a very good screen team, but he's more than that. I'm not saying he's Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, but he is a valuable member of the passing game. No, for sure. that that I didn't really touch on that in the article because I was trying to uh, really focus on the rushing aspect, but... That was one I actually highlighted earlier in the year. Just the sort of check down, the using the running back as an option in the progression has been big for him and, in my opinion, big for Jared Goff because last season that wasn't one of, you know, they didn't really have check downs built into the offense. When things broke down, pressure came, he really had nowhere to go with the ball. Now he has Todd Gurley knowing that he can win on his own on the outside. So that's been big for, you know, like I said, not just Gurley but Goff as well. Yeah, no question about it. And I, I know that people have – mentioned, you know, boy, that offensive line is much better in the run game now, and they're protecting Goff better, and Whitworth was a great signing. And all those things are true, but one area I notice that the line doesn't get the credit they deserve is they get out in the screen game, and they're pretty athletic, especially for a bunch of old dudes, you know, Whitworth and Sullivan and Saffold and these guys. They get downfield and make blocks in space. Yeah, one of the so I, when I was going through researching for this article, uh, there was a play where a guy you didn't even mention, Rob Havenstein, was yeah. pulling out on the edge, and I was like, "Wow, who is that?" Because <laughs> right. I remember Rob Havenstein had some of the worst testing numbers at the combine I've ever seen from offense tackle. I loved him coming out of Wisconsin, but I was just I was a little worried about that athleticism, and he just looks much improved. He looked like a guy who you want pulling out in space. So, yeah, that offensive line is definitely athletic, and they use them uh, accordingly. Yeah, and I I don't want to preview wildcard games with you, but, I mean, just uh, to to expand upon that, Atlanta's defense is really speed-based, in my opinion, you know, and they allow a lot of receptions to opposing running backs. But I don't think that the the Rams are going to look old and slow or anything like that against them. No, yeah, it is actually going to be a very interesting matchup because those linebackers for, you know, the Falcons, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, they are the type of linebackers that go sideline to sideline that can shut down the run concepts that the Rams that and Gurley have so much success in. So it'll be interesting to see how they do end up attacking them and if they go with these, you know, wide runs uh, to try to 
to you know sort of match strength versus strength there. Yeah, absolutely. And I open the show by telling everyone out there that we are brought to you by Draft. Every Wednesday is Draft Day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Fantasy football fans, you must listen up. It's not too late to join the over half a million people that have already downloaded Draft this season. It's a great combination of daily drafting you know, stuff as well as a snake draft situation. So what you get to do is you get to play in a real live snake draft, but it's not like you know your redraft leagues where it took hours and hours. You're done in under five minutes, and they last for just one week, just like Daily Fantasy. You can join one right now for this week. They have them for the playoffs as well. And the best part is you play for cold hard cash, and get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than in salary cap sites. So... All new players get a free entry into the real money draft when you make your your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code LONFL, as in Locked On NFL. That's right, play a real money game for free just by using the promo code LONFL, and it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you're loving that you'll love it that they're offering uh, some listeners money back guarantees up to a hundred dollars. So you got to search Draft at your app store or go to Draft.com. And come play free right now with the promo code LONFL. So, Mike, you also have done some great work on Washington's very peculiar quarterback situation going forward. Yeah, peculiar, probably an understatement there. It just, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a me- very much a mess at this point. Uh, you would think if there was actually mutual interest in a long-term deal between Cousins and the Redskins, it would have gotten done at this point. So it just seems like there's almost no chance he comes back. Obviously, they could franchise tag him, but that would be $34.5 million on their cap next year, which is $8 million more than anyone else is going to hit on the cap next year for any team around the league. So I, I, I don't. I, I just it looks like Kirk Cousins is going to be elsewhere next year. I don't think there's any doubt about it at this point. Yeah, and... Earlier in the year, I said the quarterback situation that is the worst in the NFL and I would least want to inherit if I was a GM was Baltimore because there's no young guy waiting. There's not even a Davis Webb or a a third-round pick sitting around that might turn into something. And your quarterback is basically good enough to get you beat. And that might even be generous for Flacco. And he costs a ton. I think Cousins is a much better player than Flacco, but he can't, you can't pay him a third franchise tag money, like you said, and the covers are absolutely bare. Yeah, they, they there's no back. You know, Colt McCoy is not a backup plan. One of my options for them was if you're gonna <laughs> if you're going to not have any if you're not going to dress quarterback this this year, just tank it just tank the next season don't even hand it over to Colt McCoy draft a mid-round rookie and let him throw into him into the fire because if you don't if you're not going to go out and sign a guy if you're really going to lean on this year's draft I don't think that's the option you want to be going so and they don't have an early pick yeah and that's the thing they don't really they don't all the quarterbacks last year were gone the three quarterbacks that did go were gone by where they picked at 13 so there's little chance they get one of the you know truly elite guys so they're going to let Kirk Cousins walk. You better be willing to then open up the checkbook for someone else. Admittedly, though, this is probably the best year if you're a quarterback needy team to be in the free agent market because there are, there are some options out there. there. There will be, at least. A lot. I mean, let me throw a few at you. And I don't think any of them you're going to be doing cartwheels, but send a third-round pick to the Chiefs for Alex Smith. 
that's that to me alex smith would make the most sense in terms of fit uh and obviously need and, and then willingness to you know the, the chiefs are not gonna have alex smith on the roster next year I, they i don't think they literally don't can mean. with the cap like the way it is they would have to be shedding uh, a lot of money elsewhere because i think as it stands they're actually over the cap so in 2018 so alex smith basically cannot be on the roster so they'd be very very much willing to part ways with him uh and i do but think he's that not one free yeah that's the thing it's still going to cost you though yeah it's gonna cost you a pick and it's going to eat into your cap as with this guy, and this is just a rumor I've heard pretty much all year it, because of the Gruden-Bengals connection, what about Andy Dalton for a second-round pick? That one's interesting because uh, we've seen what uh, the, all the opinions are and how highly the league uh, the opinions are of A.J. McCarron, uh, the Bengals' backup, because right. uh, we the Browns tried to trade, what was it, a second-rounder for McCarron, which seems crazy to me. More but, than that. I think it was two seconds, which yeah, is insane. Which, which is insane, and just from how he played, but the Bengals could very much be willing to move on from Andy Dalton. From what we saw this year, if he doesn't have basically a great offensive line and a great receiving core, he is mediocre at quarterback. That you know, and he's at the point in his career where he's never gonna, you're never gonna get more than that. So, do you want to waste the time of building this impeccable roster to then maybe win a playoff game, or do you just say we're gonna move on? Uh, we know we're gonna go elsewhere. So. Uh, I, I think he could be available this offseason for sure. I do too, and, and I could see Gruden getting a lot out of him as he did in Cincinnati. But kind of like you mentioned, I mean, if you go get Alex Smith or you go get Dalton, you're still in that quarterback purgatory. You know, I mean, it's not like, yeah. boy, we're set for the next 10 years <laughs> and we're going to go to multiple play, you know, every year. You still better draft somebody high within the next two years. Like, those are bad Band-Aids because they're expensive Band-Aids and they're not young and they're not getting better. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, so the best option, in my opinion, would obviously be you want to, tag to not tag. <laughs> just give, just fork over the money over to Cousins. Like, I don't think it's that hard. They, they, in my opinion, just have to be lowballing him is the reason why they have to be not handing him the contract that, you know, Oakland handed to Derek Carr or Detroit did to Matt Stafford. Because he would, you would just be crazy not to sign that if you're Kirk Cousins. Uh, the best option, but though, he's besides hit the that, open market, and somebody's going to make him the highest paid player in the league. Yeah, someone very well may, uh, and it might be the Browns. But right. I think Sam Bradford, just in terms of a talent and cost perspective, is probably their best bet. Uh, I think he would fit great into that offense. The injury concerns, though, are very obvious. You have no, cl- and, and I think it's going to sort of depress his market. I don't think he signs anything in terms of any guaranteed money he might sign for you know a lot this year but it's not going to be any sort of commitment because of how bad his knees are so i think if you're really don't want any sort of rebuild period any sort of you know step backwards as a franchise that's probably the way i'd go because i think the vikings are about ready to move on from him yeah i don't think he'll be a viking next year and i'm a big bradford supporter i've caught a lot of heat for that i've been saying he's an underrated player for a couple of years now and i'm certainly not a doctor but i don't know if his body can play football anymore that yeah that, that <laughs> is the, that's the you know whatever the 20 million dollar question that you're gonna have to figure out this offseason but how many how many knee injuries is he gonna have before like he's, he doesn't need the money. <laughs> he he could no. very well hang them up after the season's over. But yeah, every year 
and when you have to worry about a guy if he's gonna be healthy for 16 games that's not that's not the position you really want to be in as a franchise so you bring Bradford in your team doctors say we absolutely can't sign this guy you're crazy get him <laughs> out of the building and then Teddy Bridgewater comes in you interested yeah I think that's about uh, that's probably the you know plan C plan D yeah, at this right. point worst and, case scenario and yeah, and but I do think it's like like you mentioned about the draft. You can't go into the draft without addressing it. Like so, if it is Teddy Bridgewater, you're still happier than going into the draft with nobody. So I think there are going to be options for them for sure. All right, last thing I have for you, and I'll let you go on your merry way. There are five coaching openings as we speak. I'm Gruden's in Oakland. I'm not even going to talk about that one. Indy, Detroit, Chicago. Arizona, and the Giants. Three of them presu- presumably have a quarterback. Detroit absolutely does. Who knows what Luck's injury situation, but let's operate under the assumption that he's going to be back. Chicago drafted a guy who wasn't great, but at least is going to be their quarterback. Zona needs one. The Giants need one. Although I think keeping Manning for one, year, one more year while you groom that guy isn't the worst idea in the world. If you wanted, If they asked you to be the coach of any of these five teams... Which one's most attractive? That that's a tough one because I, I do think actually the NFC North teams are the two most attractive, just in terms of talent level and what you have to work with. Obviously, Detroit has the best. Well, I guess if Andrew Luck's healthy, Luck's the best quarterback of the bunch. But that roster is just so incredibly depleted at this point yes. that you have no clue what you're going to get out of it. Just to interrupt so, you. It seems like everyone's saying Indy's the prime job because they have Luck. But the rest of the roster is dreadful. That that is the thing. The rest of the roster is awful, and it would be gr- like working with a quarterback like that. That's part of the reason why Pagano stuck around as long as he did. It does help, but I, I do like what Detroit has and Chicago has from a young talent perspective. I might even say Chicago in this one, just because if you really think you can mold Trubisky into something good, I, I thought he was the best quarterback coming out. Uh, he was our highest uh, quarterback on our board coming out. So. If you really believe that, then you take that job because then he shows any sort of progression next year. You have you're locked into some job security there. I'd say. Yeah, I like the Chicago call because I'm looking at it from a GM perspective. If I'm in charge of the Bears, I don't have that much work to do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I go sign Allen Robinson or Sammy Watkins and draft Ridley out of Alabama. Now you're talking, you know, like, or I mean, the the needs are just so defined and easy to, and they're not, it's not like I need a quarterback. It's not like I need a left tackle in a number one corner. You know, yeah, you need some other things, but if I can find two pass catchers that are above average starters or better, including tight end, we got something here. Yeah. All of a sudden that uh, they are very much, in my opinion, like the 49ers where, all of a sudden, if a quarterback turns it around, you you go from looking awful, you know, as a franchise to whoa, there's a lot more talent here than we realized, and I think that's very much the position the Bears are in. As for the Lions, I'm a huge Stafford supporter, and I have been for a while, and I think he's one of the best players in the league, frankly. But if I'm in charge of that team, I basically have to rebuild an entire defense and an entire running game. Yes, you have to. <laughs> Well, I think any sort of – I just didn't love their offensive from a schematic standpoint uh, in the running game. So that, I think, could solve itself with 
a, a larger sort of running back. They have just a bunch of scat backs on the roster who aren't uh, who aren't consistent, you know, three to four yard type of guys. I think that could be solved with maybe one interior offensive lineman and a running back. But then you mentioned the defense side of the ball is a lot more worrisome. Up the yeah. middle, they're just fairly weak. You need two defensive tackles and at least one more linebacker. Uh, and probably another cornerback. So uh, there are a lot of needs on that side of the ball. But uh, it's not, you know, we saw from the Saints draft how hitting on a couple positions can get you there real quick. So uh, all it would take is that for them. As for the Cardinals, there's no quarterback close to being in place. You're all of a sudden very old. Palmer's not coming back. You probably need a receiver. Tight end wouldn't kill you. You do get David Johnson back. You certainly need offensive line help. I can live with the defense, and I think the defense is a little underrated and it's pretty good overall. Yeah, that offense, though, oh, it's man. not even like a rebuild. It's like you, you need to just Drop build. There's nothing, right, there's nothing. Yeah, there's, there's David you, Johnson. You have David Johnson. You have a running back. And then you have a 35-year-old receiver who who knows what he's how he's going to age down the stretch. You probably think he'd age fairly gracefully with his skill set and how he has been, but you need at least two receivers. You need an entirely new offensive line at right. this point, it would appear. So a lot of work needs to be done there. And I don't wanna I don't wanna be the guy who who needs to find a quarterback and an offensive line because they just they don't those don't really go those need to go hand in hand. Right. You can't have really one without the other. I mean you might need a quarterback for the now and a quarterback for the future. Like that's a disaster. It's a barren wasteland on offense besides Johnson. And then lastly, the Giants. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think their defense is still more like the 2016 version than it is the 2017 version. They have two prominent offensive linemen that are up in free agency. But you get Beckham back. You'd be throwing to Engram, Shepard, Beckham. I think I would live with Wayne Gallman and address running back a year from now. I think I would bring Eli back, and I'm shocked I'm saying that, and then use an early, early pick on a quarterback. But I don't know that they're a barren wasteland. No, I don't think they are barren. Uh, There are just a lot of needs, and they're not in incredibly great cap space with how all the contracts they've dealt out on the defense side of the ball to then address them. Uh, So, yeah, I think... Like you mentioned, Beckham's there's high-level talent. There's high-level talent on the defense. Yeah, yeah Beckham, you're ha- going to have to re-sign him. So after that, there's not a lot of money to go around. A lot of the a lot of the step back defensively was from a I'd say an effort perspective. Not a lot of guys seemingly. Just that whole cornerbacks room took a step back because of all the drama going around there. So there is talent there. It is close. The talent level is closer to the 2016 than how they actually played this year. But you just you really have to hit on a lot of draft picks to address it because you're not going to be able to do it through free agency with there. And think of that offensive line if they can't re-sign Richburg and Pugh. <laughs> yeah, not great. <laughs> right. no, yeah, definitely not great. Like Flowers look better, but you're still, it, over the second half of the year, you're still uh, anyone, you know, a- anyone that played any other position along that line that wasn't, like you said, Richburg and Pugh was just dreadful. You're going to have to Terrible. replace everyone there. <laughs> Mike, this was awesome. As always, tell everyone where to find you on Twitter and as well as on Pro Football Focus, of course. Yeah, PFF underscore Mike, and I uh, basically tweet out all my articles and whatnot from there. So follow me uh, there. Excellent, as, uh, as do I. All right, man, take care.